0: You can talk about the God of creation. You can talk about there is a divine being. You can talk about there being a God, a living God, somewhere in the universe. And you argue from from the design of creation that there must be a divine mind behind it. But what is he like? And does he have any interest in you? Does he have any interest in me? Where am I going to find this? It's just right when you step down to think about it. If God has any interest in you and me, certainly He's going to reveal it somewhere, somehow. And He has. When we come to John's Gospel, it was written that you and I might have life. again, may I repeat, the purpose of the writing was that you might know that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God.
1: Welcome to The Unchanging Word Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell i'm after your hearts not your heads is a refrain often heard by college students in dr mitchell's bible classes in his own words his goal was to help you fall in love with the savior and his teachings always tended to fill your mind with the lord jesus christ in his day there were no tape recorders so he and his organist had to be at the station five evenings a week he was heard live every weekday on radio stations in the northwest the name of our study the unchanging word highlights the fact that god's word has not changed
3: The Unchanging Word radio broadcast continues with the beginning of the Gospel of John. Dr. Mitchell will give us an introduction to this fourth gospel and its purpose. Dr. Mitchell will speak about the seven signs in this gospel. There are three miracles of creation, three miracles of healing, and one miracle of raising a dead man back to life. Dr. Mitchell gives us a digest of the several chapters dealing with life, that is, everlasting life. And he also provides the claims of Jesus that he is in fact God by the description of his attributes of deity presented in this gospel. Well, Dr. Mitchell goes on to present a six-point outline of the entire book of John. And then he also gives 21 descriptions of the Savior in this gospel. And by the way, you can download these chapter-by-chapter descriptions of the Savior in the book of John from our website, unchangingword.life. Well, open your Bible to the Gospel of John. Here is Dr. Mitchell.
0: We come to you again with our studies, and we're starting this brief series of studies again in the gospel through John. Uh, I have a purpose in this. We were dealing with the book of Matthew, the gospel through Matthew, and then we took up the gospel through Luke. Now, these are two entirely different presentations of Christ. When we come to John's gospel, we have an entirely different book to the other three. Uh, John is concerned and uh, concerning one matter, the presentation of our Savior in the fulfillment of Isaiah chapter 40, verse 9. Say unto the cities of Judah, Behold your God. The great question raised in John's gospel is, is this Jesus of Nazareth, God manifest in the flesh? In our last lesson, we were giving some introductory remarks with respect to the study of this gospel. And again, let me plead with your heart that you may read this book through, this gospel through John, through as often as you can. You can't read it too much. And let our minds be absolutely saturated with the text. And let us come with unbiased minds. Let us come to see what the Spirit of God is trying to give to us as he presents to us Jesus as God manifest in the flesh. But I say very bluntly, and yet realistically, if Jesus Christ is not what he claimed to be, then we have no revelation of the heart of God toward men. If I were to ask you the question, does God have any interest in you, what would your answer be? And if he say, yes, he has great interest in me, I have to ask you, what is his interest? So I have to turn to the Word of God You see, friend, apart from Jesus Christ, you do not have any real revelation of God to your heart and mind. You can talk about the God of creation. You can talk about there is a divine being. You can talk about there being a God, a living God somewhere in the universe. And you argue from from the design of creation that there must be a divine mind behind it. But what is he like? And does he have any interest in you Does he have any interest in me? Now, where am I going to find this? It's just right when you step down to think about it. If God has any interest in you and me, certainly he's going to reveal it somewhere, somehow. And he has. So when I come to the gospel through John, I find that God has revealed himself. He has come right into the human family And as he found in the gospel through Luke, he was a real man in the midst of men. He came for the express purpose of delivering men from the bondage of sin and from the fear of death and from the powers of hell. And thank God he did a perfect work and guaranteed that through his resurrection. when we come to John's gospel, it was written that you and I might have life. I'm repeating some things that I made in my last lesson. I want you to get in your own heart, a tremendous hunger and yearning to know the Savior. Even those of us who have known the Lord for many years, trusted Him for many years, we've barely begun to scratch the surface of the marvelous truth as it is revealed to us in the Savior. And oh, that the Spirit of God might enlighten your mind and my mind and warm our hearts concerning this wonderful Savior who came. Again, may I repeat the purpose of the writing was that you might know that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. That by believing, you might have life in his name. Now, when we come to John's gospel, a remarkable thing is he gives to us seven signs. That is, he gives to us seven miracles or signs to reveal the person of Christ as to his deity. Now, it's rather remarkable that as you read it through, that three of these signs have to do with creation, For example, in chapter 2, he turned water into wine. In chapter 6, he took five loaves and two fishes and fed 5,000 men besides women and children. In the same chapter, chapter 6, we find our Lord walking on the water and stilling the storm. You have three, three uh, miracles of creation. And then you have three miracles of healing. That's all, just three in John. But the three impossible cases. For example, in chapter 4, he heals the nobleman's son by just speaking a word. In chapter 5, he heals a man who was, who was 38 years uh, sick and infirmed, and he heals him by just speaking a word. And then in chapter 9, he heals a man who was born blind. Whoever heard of a man born blind having his eyes open is not this the Christ. And then we have one miracle where our Lord raised a man from the dead who had already been in corruption, and you find that in chapter 11. I say there are just seven, seven signs in John concerning the claims, the reality of Jesus Christ being God manifest in the flesh. And may I just suggest again that in the first three miracles concerning creation, the first one in chapter 2 was to bring joy to those who needed joy. It was a wedding feast. In chapter 6, he performed a miracle to satisfy a hungry crowd. And in chapter 6, he, uh, he stilled the storm. He walked the water and he stilled the storm. Now, in, in the next three miracles, he healed a man by the word. He, he didn't even go to see him. He just said, go home, your son is healed. And in In chapter 5, he healed a man who was absolutely, totally helpless. And then in chapter 9, he opened the eyes of a man born blind, and this called for obedience. You see, and then the resurrection of Lazarus, of course, our Lord raised him at his word. He just spoke the word, and the man was raised from the dead. Now, out of these seven miracles came the teachings of our Lord and the claims of our Lord and i'm just going to give you a little digest of this so it may get a hold of your heart you see all life is in him this was why john wrote you come to chapter 3 he has nicodemus he he needs to be born again he needs to have eternal life all of us are born with the seed of death in us and what we all want to do is to live forever and how can i live forever And the Lord tells us in chapter 3, you must be born again. In chapter 4, he deals with a woman, a sinful woman, and he reveals to her that the water he gives will spring up in her life into everlasting life, a well of water springing up into everlasting life. When you come to chapter 5, he takes the fact up that Jesus Christ has the authority over all life. And when you come to chapter 6, it's a life that absolutely satisfies and when you come to chapter uh, chapter 11, you remember he, he raises a man who's been four days in corruption. Our Lord reveals himself as the resurrection and the life. And when you come to chapter 14, how can I come to the Father? I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. When you come to chapter 15, it, this life means union with Christ. And when you come to chapter 17, you find what it is. This is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom he has sent. Why did God send his son? That you might have life, eternal life. And then as you go through the book of John, you'll notice that it claims all authority is in his hands. All life is in his hands. All judgment is in his hands. All resurrection is in his hands. See, friend, a man wouldn't even dare make these claims. A man would be called a fool to make such claims as these. But our Lord proved his claims. As I said a while ago, you find out of his miracles comes his great discourses that all authority, all life, all judgment, all resurrection is in his hands. Indeed, he claims that the only ones who are free from bondage are those in him for he guarantees that he's the great deliverer from sin. He's the great deliverer from slavery. He's the great deliverer from death. And then he claimed to be God. He made this claim. He claimed to be equal with God in nature. He claimed to be equal with God in power. Our Lord accepted uh, worship. He claimed that he had authority over all things. He stilled the storms, he raised the dead, he fed the hungry. And he said he would send the Spirit of God to indwell us. He claims equality with God in nature. He claimed to be the El Shaddai, the God of Abraham. He claimed to be the eternal God before Abraham was, I am. He claimed omniscience. He claimed he knew what was in man. He knew what their thoughts were. My friend, we're not talking about some, some man on the street. We're talking about one who left the glory and came into the, into the human race for the revelation of God to men. And it was written that you might have life and have it abundantly. But he also declared, If you do not believe who I am, then you will die in your sins. And I'm quoting from Hebrew from John 8:24, "If you believe not that I am he, you will die in your sins." And in Hebrews chapter 9:27, he could say, "After death, judgment." Now I have kind of more or less raced through this, because I want to, to whet your appetite for this precious gospel through John. Is it not an amazing thing that God would come into the human race? to reveal to you and to me his own person. I find people today following all kinds of philosophies. They're running hither and yon. You know, one of our students uh, this fall talked to one of these priests, these uh, saffron-robed priests on the street, and he said to him, Sir, sir, can you tell me how to find God? And the priest said, Fellow, I'm searching too. He had no answer to give him. And you and you're thankful that the Lord came into the human race. What better way? What simpler way for God to reveal Himself and to come right down into the human race to reveal Himself to you and to me. So as we read this gospel through John, and I pray again that you will do it, if necessary, do it every day. But read it and reread it and reread it, especially when we come to different chapters. Read them and read them and read them. What for? To see him, to see Christ, to be occupied with him. Your heart may fall in love with him. As I said in our last lesson, simply study the word of God, the gospel, to find him of whom Moses and the prophets did write, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Oh, that the Spirit of God may open your heart and your mind to see him. Now, allow me again to to suggest to you some divisions concerning this book of John. I I know I'm going to be a little technical on this, but I would like you to, to realize what we have ahead of us. In fact, be honest with you, I'm just trying to whet your appetites to get into this book. Now, you will notice a very simple division of the book. In the first four chapters, our Lord teaches individuals. In chapter one, for example, you find him with Andrew, with Philip, with Nathaniel. When you come to chapter two, he's dealing with individuals. you have his mother, you have his brethren, and so on in chapter two. When you come to chapter three, he is dealing with Nicodemus, a ruler of Israel. When you come to chapter four, he's dealing with a Samaritan woman. So in the first four chapters, you have our Saviour teaching individuals. Now from chapter 5 through 12, you have our Lord teaching the multitude. And it is in these chapters, for the most part, we find the great claims of our Saviour from chapter 5, where he reveals himself as Jehovah Rapha, I am the Lord that healeth thee, and following it right through chapter 12, where he enters the city of Jerusalem. Then when you come to chapters 13 through 17, we have our Lord teaching the disciples. He's in the upper room and he discourses with his disciples. In chapter 13, he reveals himself as the one who's going to make provision for their fellowship. When you come to chapter 14, he had promised he's going to return. In chapter 15, he is the vine in our union with him. In chapter 16, he is the preeminent one, the very theme of the Spirit of God. When we come to 17, you have him in the presence of the Father praying for you and for me. And then in chapters 18 and 19, we have our Lord's betrayal and his death. Uh, Judas betrays him, and our Lord comes before uh, three courts. He comes before the, the religious court, then before the civil court, and then before the worldly court of Herod. And then in chapter 20, we have his resurrection from the dead. And in chapter 21, he reveals himself to his disciples after resurrection. You have his final words. He's the great and the chief shepherd of his people. Now, I would like to do something else. I would like to take every chapter in John's Gospel. There are 21 chapters. And I would like to give a word concerning our Savior in each chapter. Now, you don't need to write this down because I'm expecting to send to you an outline of this Gospel through John, and I believe we have this in the outline, so you can have it, and if you write in, I'm sure we'll be glad to send it to you. Just let me just whet your appetite again. Uh, Taking our Savior as the theme of the whole Gospel through John, we have Christ is the Word in chapter 1, He is the Creator in chapter 2, He is the Savior in chapter 3, He is the Water of Life in chapter 4, He is the Judge in chapter 5, He is the bread of life in chapter 6. He is the heavenly one in chapter 7. That is, he came from heaven. His message is from heaven. He is going to send the Holy Spirit from heaven. In chapter 8 and 9, he is the light of the world. In chapter 8, you have the teaching. He is the light of the world. In chapter 9, you have the illustration of it when he opens the eyes of a man born blind. In chapter 10, he is the shepherd of his people. You remember, he is the only shepherd. He is the good shepherd. He's the true shepherd. He's the obedient shepherd. He's the faithful shepherd. Chapter 10, our Lord is the shepherd. In chapter 11, he is the resurrection and the life. You remember, that's the chapter where he raises Lazarus from the dead, and he said to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth on me, even though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me, shall never die. In chapter 12, he is the center of attraction. At the feast, on the road to Jerusalem, at the cross, Jesus Christ is always the center. He must be the center of attraction. In chapter 13, he is the advocate, making provision for fellowship with his people. In chapter 14, he is the coming one. If I go away, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am. There you may be also. In chapter 15, he is the vine and we are the branches. And because of our union with the Savior, uh, we are a bear fruit, much fruit, more fruit, much fruit. And herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. That's chapter 15. In chapter 16, he is the preeminent one. He is the theme of the Spirit of God who will come to teach us and bring all things to our remembrance concerning what our Lord has said to us. He will show us things to come. Christ is the preeminent one. In chapter 17, he is the intercessor. He is our high priest, that amazing chapter where we're allowed to come in the presence of God and hear our Lord Jesus Christ speak to his Father concerning his disciples and concerning you and me. When you come to chapters 18 and 19, he is the faithful one, faithful even unto death. You remember Philippians chapter 2, he was faithful even unto death, the death of the cross. In chapter 20, he is the victorious one, the one who not only put away sin, but the one who defeated death and the grave. He's the living, eternal, victorious one. When you come to chapter 21, He is the great and chief shepherd. He is the one as the chief shepherd is giving instructions to his under-shepherds when he said to Peter, Peter, feed my lambs, shepherd my sheep, feed my sheep. Now, I've just gone through the whole 21 chapters of John's Gospel concerning the person of Christ. Oh, what a Savior he is. My friend, may I say to you today, our Lord Jesus Christ is still saving sinners. He is still shepherding his sheep. He is still caring for his own. He knows his own sheep by name. He knows every one of us, the weak ones as well as the strong ones, the young ones as well as the old ones. Oh, what a Savior he is. And I just pray to God that every one of you who listens in will read this gospel through John over and over and over again. I can't tell you how I feel about this, Because today I find so many Christians. I know it by your letters. There's so many Christians. And I'm not saying they're not Christians. They're not trusting the Savior. But oh, how they need to know something of the one who did come into the human race and prove that God loves men and women. He still loves men and women. How do you know? Then I go to the gospel through John and I find the revelation of God to your heart in my heart. Please read it through and come and enjoy the word of God with us day after day. And the Lord bless you.
2: Yesterday he died for me. Yesterday, yesterday. Yesterday, he died for me, yesterday, yesterday, he died for me, died for me, this is his story. Today. For me, today, today, he lives for me, lives for me. This is victory. Tomorrow, he comes for me. He comes. He comes, tomorrow He comes for me, He comes, tomorrow He comes for me, He comes for me, this is
1: mystery. Thank you for listening to the Unchanging Word Bible Study today. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word broadcast. Life begins a-